This is Notable Nerds, a pro nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Hey, it's your boy Sebastian. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode of Notable Nerds was recorded before I changed the podcast name from The Pro Nerd Report to Notable Nerds. Notable Nerds is a podcast under the Pro Nerd Report brand. Just wanted to let you know so you didn't think you were listening to the wrong show. That said, thank you and enjoy. So coming up on today's show, we have the creator and solo developer of Color Story Pixis Quest with us today. That's right, Ricky Mallory is here with us to talk all about his game as well as talk about some challenges in making a game in 2022, as well as what it's like to create a game as a solo developer. All this and more on this episode of The Pro Nerd Report. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on another episode of The Pro Nerd Report. Like I said at the top of the show, we have a very special guest. Joining me today is the creator and solo developer of Color Story, Pixis Quest. This is Ricky Mallory. How you doing, Ricky? Hi, I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, thank you for being on. So I'm glad to have you on the show. So before we really dive deep into everything, can you introduce yourself into the audience? Sure, yeah. So uh, uh, like you said, uh, my name is Ricky Mallory, and I'm the developer of uh, Color Story Pixels Quest. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been in game development? Uh, so this will be the first game that I'm planning to release. Um, I've been making games for about like 20 years, um, just as a hobby. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so I've always used uh, Game Maker Studio to make my games. And when I originally started using it, um, you know, way back 20 years ago, you could literally only export to an executable. So like actually releasing games made through GameMaker wasn't very viable. Mm -hmm. um, but now it, like now it's, you know, you can release games on Steam, on, on consoles, on everything. So that's kind of why, like at this point now, that I'm uh, trying to actually release games rather than just do it as a hobby. Yeah, I understand that completely. Is there any chance we might see some of your older works as well? Um, probably not, just because those computers that I made those games on, uh, the, the software is not even supported anymore. Oh, gotcha. So, like, yeah, it's like they're so it's so outdated that. I can't even load them. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. So, Ricky, we have a segment that we like to call putting you on the spot. So for all first time guests, we ask a top five question based on your area of expertise. So, Ricky, what are your top five games of all time? Yeah, so this was this was a tough one. <laughs> tough, tough to pick a top five, but I think uh, number one, I'm going to go Celeste. Oh, OK. Good choice. Uh, just 
overall amazing game, amazing platforming, great storytelling, amazing music. Um, the next four, I don't, these aren't really in any particular order. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Shovel Knight, the King of Cards. Oh, really good choice. Uh, let's see. Yoshi's Island. Okay. Okay. I, I feel like as a platform developer, I have to pick a Mario game. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad one to pick either. Uh, yeah, I think Yoshi's Island just does so much unique stuff like throughout the whole game that mm-hmm. it's it's just a really good one. Um, Symphony of the Night. Oh, okay. Just a great classic, great music, great graphics. Uh, Great kind that of, soundtrack will never get old. Oh, that's one of the that's one of the best soundtracks. Um, and great kind of open, uh, open world type of Metroidvania, you know. It really is. And then I it think really the last is. one, I wish I feel kind of bad to pick because I never actually finished it. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Whoa, you didn't finish it. No, I never finished it. I, I, you know, I got so enthralled in exploring and running around and finding the shrines and and just exploring the world. And I never, uh, I never finished all of the the uh, the thing. What are they called? The um, the beasts. Yeah, the divine beast. I know. <laughs> yeah, so I feel kind of bad about picking that one, even though, like, I was so totally enthralled by the exploration so i i probably get that answer more time more times than not when i ask someone their top five video games breath of the wild normally comes up do you think that is like quote unquote like now can the consensus like one of the best games ever made i mean you know i haven't played very many other open world games like i haven't mm-hmm. didn't play the new uh uh what's the new um souls game uh oh elden ring yeah i haven't played that mm-hmm. and i haven't played you know the witcher ones so i can't really compare it to the other ones but definitely i think the the um the feeling of exploration that it gives you is just so cool it is next level it really is so my, i think my favorite zelda game before that was the original the nes one mm-hmm and I think that's because, you know, when I played it as a kid, the minimal graphics, you know, you kind of just, your imagination really takes over. And it was totally open world. You know, you could kind of go anywhere. Um, and I always liked that about that game. But I think Breath of the Wild actually managed to take, you know, what was in so many people's imaginations and actually put it on the screen, I think. I think, you know, that's kind of what sets that game apart. It really is. It really is a dope game. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about the topic of the show. Let's talk about your game, Color Story Pixis Quest. Would you describe your game for the audience? Sure. So um, Pixis Quest is uh, it's a fast-paced, uh, level-based platformer. Um, it's about a girl named Pixa who discovers that she has magic powers, and she goes on a quest to defeat uh, this guy, the evil Earl Grey. And throughout the game, you collect various um, platforming and combat abilities. Uh, it kind of uh, 
kind of like how in Mega Man X, how you, you know, find the various abilities throughout the levels, like the dash and all that. And um, I guess kind of the key uh, kind of gameplay loop or core mechanic of Pixis Quest is that you have these color-based uh, magic abilities um, that drain your MP, and you regain the MP by attacking enemies. So it's kind of that loop of, uh, you know, using these abilities to kill the enemies and then getting your MP back so that you can do more um, platforming and and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, and and so yeah, it's a, it's a little base platformer, um, a lot of uh, collectibles and upgrades and special abilities that you'll be able to unlock throughout the game. I got to commend you for one thing before we really dive into some of the nuances of the game. This is, it looks absolutely gorgeous. I love the art style. I love the colors, the, the way you, you like use colors to really emphasize like mechanics in the game is impressive, but like the way you make those really pop is like next level. I really got to commend you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I'm kind of, um, I, I would say artist first before programmer. Mm -hmm. um, like, um, yeah, I went to art school. Um, I work as a graphic designer. Um, I don't really have a programming background um, besides just teaching myself to use Game Maker Studio through trial and error over many years. Um, but so, yeah, definitely having a game uh, based around color, I definitely wanted the <laughs> graphics to, uh, you know, reflect that that um, element i think you did a hell of a job because it looks magnificent it really does and the, like i said earlier the colors pop uh, you have this innate ability it seems to like really emphasize different colors and make them stand out in regardless of whatever surface is in the background thanks yeah i think uh one thing that i kind of always liked in retro games like especially nes games mm -hmm. uh like Mega Man is a good example is I think you know they had such a minimal color palette that they were very smart about color schemes. Like one thing Mega Man would do a lot is uh, kind of use complementary colors to distinguish the background from the foreground. Yeah, and I always felt like in newer games, especially when you know they had more colors, you know, uh, games kind of tended towards more you know realistic use of color mm -hmm. and kind of. Uh, went away from that kind of like color blocking technique. I, I so I kind of wanted to try to utilize some of those kind of old school techniques, but obviously with uh, you know high res graphics. And I think you did a good job. This really it really does look amazing. So let's dive into the inspiration of the game. What is the inspiration behind this? Um, so yeah, there's a, I mean there's a lot of games that kind of influence the mechanics. Um, I was actually, uh, I started working on the game in, uh, 2020 during lockdown and it was, it was right after I played Celeste. Um, and I just, Celeste was just such an amazing game to me that I was just like, you know what? I got to make a game right now. Um, even though so Celeste I, really did inspire you to just like make a video game. That's really cool. Yeah, even though like the mechanics of my game are not super similar to Celeste, but yeah, that was definitely like, 
like, oh man, video games are so amazing. I have to make one. Um, so uh, like I mentioned earlier, like I've been doing video games as a hobby for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so the character of Pixa and the idea of color quest or color, it used to be called color quest. Now it's color story. Um, that was actually the first game that I, that I had finished. And this was like 15 years ago. Um, and that back then that was a, uh, basically a very janky Mario clone. Yeah. And I always liked the character and the idea of the game. And I always wanted to make a less janky version of it. Uh, so that's kind of why I decided to start making this game was, you know what? I, I want to take this character and do something more interesting with it and, uh, program it better. Um, so I kind of, when I started working on the mechanics, I really wanted to differentiate it from Mario. Um, especially because, you know, Mario maker exists now. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, ma- you know, making a, a Mario clone game is kind of like, why, you know, why would you do that? Just make it in Mario maker. Um, yeah, that, that makes so, sense. <laughs> I get so, it. Yeah, that's why like certain mechanics, like, um, uh, like rather than just jumping on an enemy to defeat them, like I added like a kick attack, which is, you know, I kind of took from Castlevania. They always have that kick attack. Um, but yeah, definitely like Shovel Knight is also a huge inspiration. Like, um, have you played Shovel Knight? Oh yeah, for sure. I so love like, the know, game. I love the aesthetic in Shovel Knight. That's one of the oh, things yeah. that really stood out to me about that game. Oh yeah, the whole aesthetic, the music and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, you know how they have like the town areas where you can like buy upgrades and stuff like that. That's definitely something that is also going to exist in the color story. I always like that aspect of kind of like, uh, like a little hub that kind of makes the world feel more connected. Yeah, it makes um, it feel lived in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mentioned Mega Man X earlier. That's another inspiration uh, just for kind of the way the game is structured. Mm-hmm. Um, like how in Mega Man X, you can find the little uh, uh, Dr. White pods throughout the level, and they'll give you like the various upgrades to your uh, to your suit. That's kind of the way that the abilities will be um, unlocked in, in Color Story as well. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. So one thing that really stood out to me is, about this game is the game's mechanics. Like, this feels very tight. It's a platformer, and it's important that with a platformer that the jumping feels precise and that it feels right. And this is one of the things that stood out to me. How long did it take you to perfect that that motion, that control there? Oh, yeah. I definitely spent, like, um, I think, like, the first couple of months that I was coding the game was just just working on the the you know main mechanics um i remember years ago i watched an interview on youtube i i can't remember who it was i think it was the guy that um one of the guys that made celeste oh okay i might be wrong it it might be shovel knight but it was anyways they were talking about you know when they started making the game how important um the feel of the movement was and how their goal when they first started programming the game was to make sure it felt fun to move around in like an empty room. Um, that makes you know, sense. The idea of like, well, if it's fun to move around in an empty room, it's going to be even funner to move around in a level. Uh, so I always had that in the back of my mind um, when I was coding the movement on 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 a color story. 
Oh, okay. That's really cool. Yeah, to really just get it to feel good. And um, I think you accomplished that. And the controls, like I said, feel very tight. And especially when you are playing and you're you're jumping off of like a spider, that feels good. Good, good. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, yeah, I spent a lot, a lot of time like, yeah, and like little feedbacks too. Like if you kick off of a, an enemy, like there's a little squish, uh, you know, little to the enemy. <laughs> you know, like little um, kind of feedback like that helps uh the game feel overall um yeah i also made some tweaks like after i initially released the demo there was like some feedback um you know that you know i made some little tweaks like um just just little things like uh you know just to the way the movement feels um, oh that's really cool so you you mentioned that you know you got some feedback do you is it nervous putting something out there and then starting to get responses about it yeah, it definitely was. Um, yeah, it's, def it's definitely, it, you do get a little nervous um, when you first put something out. But, you know, overall, it's 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 good. And, you know, some suggestions that, you know, I, I feel like as a creator, you have to, you know, be able to know what feedback to take and what to ignore. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's 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 been it's been uh, really good getting that feedback. So let me ask you another question. Um, Pixa, it, like, did she always have pink hair? Was that the original, like, was that her original volume one version? Yeah, it was. So the original 20 years ago version of the game, uh, the idea was that, and it was very low res graphics. Mm -hmm. It was originally, you know, 16 by 16 pixel sprite. Uh, and the whole game was just black and white. And every time you beat, uh, like after you beat the first world, then some stuff would turn red in the background. And then after you beat that, the next world, some orange would pop up. So as you know, you went through the game, more colors would pop up. Oh, that sounds really cool. It sounds really cool until you, you're until you do it in practice and you realize that the whole, for almost the entirety of the game, the game's in black and white. <laughs> yeah. So that's what, yeah, that's kind of why I ditched that idea. But anyways, Pixa is, uh, pink and cyan because those colors contrast with all of the other colors of the rainbow. So it made her sprite stand out. Um, okay. So yeah, that's that's the main reason why she's <laughs> those colors. No, uh, no, I'm feeling it. I like that. I like that she feels different. She doesn't feel like every other you know character, and that she really stands out because of that. I don't remember very many pink-haired characters. I can only name like maybe a couple off the top of my head and I'd really have to struggle to name those. So I feel like that was a really cool move and really like makes her stand out. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say are some challenges to making a game in 2022? Um, I think I'd say the biggest challenge is especially, well, at least as an indie indie developer is mm -hmm. like um, marketing yourself. I, I mean, I think in some ways, like right now is like a probably maybe an e like one of the easiest times to make a game just because like so many tools are available. And obviously, like with social media, um, you know, it's kind of easy to promote yourself because you can just, you know, make a social media account and start saying like, hey, look, here's here I am. But I think I guess the challenge with it is like 
everybody else is also doing that. So there's a lot of competition. Um, yeah, it is a very saturated market now, huh? Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd say that's kind of the, the big challenge is the saturation, um, trying to make yourself feel, you know, unique and stand out. Like, um, I mean, I guess at least it's a good, I think it's a good time for uh, 2D games. I think there's been some resurgence of, um, you know, interest in, in retro style games that, you know, other games like Shovel Knight kind of paved a, a path for. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think you were right there on the money. I think like that genre, the 2D genre is just now taking off again. And you can argue that some of the bigger games right now are uh, at least game of the year contenders are those ga games right now. Oh, yeah. Like I was so happy and surprised to see Metroid Dread come out. Mm -hmm. um, was that this year? I think that was this year. It was late last year, I believe. Right. But still, I get your point. It was like a, it's a modern game. Yeah. and. I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of going back earlier. After I played Metroid Dread, I even retooled my my game mechanics a little bit. That's good feedback, though. It, you saw something that you were like, okay, I can utilize that and and kind of pixelize that and make that my own a little bit. Do you feel like you feel the inspiration from a lot of games lately? Um, lately, I you know I haven't had too much time to play a lot of games lately um what am i playing right now <laughs> right now i'm i'm playing i don't know if you've heard of uh revita it's like i haven't a, heard of that one give a, me the surface level description of that one yeah it's like a roguelite uh it's kind of like binding of isaac except uh side scroller instead of top down oh that sounds fun that sounds fun. And I can I can use some of that in my life right now. I think I've probably put in close to 30 hours in a Rogue Legacy 2. I've been playing that like it's my job lately. Yeah, and it's it's definitely tough to <laughs> to have like such a, a, a you know, a time sink like that and then it's like, "Oh no, I got to get back to working." <laughs> yeah, actually working. Yeah, I understand completely how that feels. So, when you're when you like first started creating color story did you really think like this was going to be the art style you were going to use did that was that always the vision or did that sort of like okay i will kind of start with the project and then kind of see how it goes i yeah i pretty much had a clear vision of how i wanted it to look it doesn't look exactly how i imagined it originally just because like um you know you imagine it in your head and then you go to draw it and you're like oh yeah that's that's not what my art style actually looks like um but yeah, I kind of wanted to uh, kind of get like the look of like old 2D Disney movies, you know, mm -hmm. where, where like the backgrounds were obviously painted and, you know, in a m more fully rendered. But then the since the characters are animated, they're just, you know, flat cells. Um, that's kind of the look I wanted to go for. Uh, it's not exactly what uh, Pixis Quest looks like, but it's pretty close to what I envisioned. That's really cool. So let me bounce that question off of um, into another one. So I was looking at some of the design for Pixel Quest and based on what you just said, you know, about like, it kind of looks like that old school Disney kind of a, like that Bambi meets like, like Steamboat Mickey vibe where you can kind of see everything drawn behind you, but the, everything in front of you is like that 3D style. Mm -hmm. So 
you drew all of this uh like right before you put it into motion um did, did you draw all the like the enemies and everything so the process of doing the graphics mm -hmm. and I've tried, I've tried to i'm trying to kind of um streamline the the process a little bit because it, it does take a really long time yeah um what I've been doing is like with the with an enemy, for example, I, you know, first I sketch it, I sketch mm -hmm. out the frames. There, it's all, it's all the frames are all the animations are uh, hand drawn frame by frame. That's really cool. And then I trace them in Illustrator, and you know, do them as vector graphics, which takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've try I'm trying to kind of shift the process to where i'm uh just putting the sketches into the game and programming the enemies using the sketches mm -hmm. so that could because you know there's been some cases where like i'll design an enemy and i'll i'll do all the graphics and then once i put it into the game and code it and then it's like oh i didn't even need this certain animation or something you know and i then i check it out um oh, okay so yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to streamline that process a little bit. That's um, good. That's good. Being a little more efficient, huh? Yeah, because yeah, the, it def the graphics are yeah the thing that takes the most time for sure. It's very it, since it's just me working on it, it's it, it's very time consuming, especially uh, the backgrounds and the tiles. Yeah, but it looks phenomenal. You can really tell you put a lot of love and care into it. So I it really shows. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so what words of inspiration would you like give to another solo dev out there? I think the main thing to know as a solo dev, if you is to just keep at it, you know, try not to get too distracted because there's definitely a tendency, I think, to, you know, like, oh, I've been working on this game for a year, but now I have a new idea. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I so think go full steam ahead, basically. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to just keep going, keep, keep, uh, try to just keep at the main idea and don't, don't add too many ec extra things because yeah, it's hard. It's it's definitely hard to, as you're working on, it, you're like, oh, now I just, I just I just got like ten new ideas of that'll make it so much more complicated. I understand that completely. <laughs> I understand that completely. So, Ricky, it was great talking to you about Color Story Pixis Quest. I really, I want everyone to check this game out. Before we go, though, where can the people find you and, and give them a pitch, the last pitch about the game? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and my name is R1K Games. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a lot more um, active on Twitter than Instagram. But you can find me on either of those places. And the demos on Steam. Uh, you can just search for Color Story Pixels Quest. And yeah, try out the demo. And, um, you know, I love getting feedback. So if anyone does try the demo, I would love to hear what you, you think. And don't hesitate to, um, to reach out or message me on, on whatever. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Ricky. We really enjoyed having you and I want to have you back on the, on the show really soon for you to give like updates on this. This is a really special project and I think my audience would really love to hear about it.
Sure. Yeah, I would, I would love to do that. And um, yeah, thanks again for having me on. No, thank you for being on. Thank you again, Ricky. And I'm going to talk to you in the next one. All right. Sounds cool. All right. I'll talk to you later, Ricky. Well, that's it for today's show. I want to give a special thank you to Ricky Mallory for joining today's episode. Definitely go check out his game, Color Story Pixis Quest on Steam. Hit the demo, try it out, and hit that wishlist button. So just a reminder, you can get the show later on the Pro Nerd Report YouTube channel, as well as all your favorite podcast services. If you like what you heard, please leave a dope review and subscribe. The Pro Nerd Report releases every single week and brings you the dopest topics and guests in the nerd community. This is your host, Sebastian, and I can be found at SebastianSDM3 on all social media platforms. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.